And I love reading the word. May we all look into our Bibles as I read so that we are together in what we want to talk about. I'm reading from verse 1. It's only a few verses, about 22 verses. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I saw to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, And my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. So Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speak to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Let's stop there for today. Hallelujah. God bless the reading of his word. Let's bow our heads and we pray. Our God and our Father, thank you this morning for the opportunity to share your word, Lord, to look into your word 
and to receive from your word. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you that your word is you and your word is life unto us. Your word says your word is medicine unto all flesh. I pray that even as we speak your word this morning, it shall heal us. I pray that your word this morning, you will watch over it and you will perform it in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, in our bodies, in our circumstances and situations and that it to accomplish this morning. So we give our ears to you that we may hear of you, that we may hear of the spirit of God. Teach us, Lord, for these minutes, teach us your word. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you here with me? Thank you. All right. I just want to talk to us this morning on the presence of the Lord. Uh, in verse 14 where we read, the Lord says to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Keep that scripture in mind. I'm sure it will appear also on the screen. But before we get to the scripture, come along with me. Let me just give you a little bit of a summary so we can understand each other. In Exodus chapter 32, the children of Israel have met themselves a golden calf. They've committed idolatry. And they have bowed to a God that they made with their own hands. And this has angered God so much because these guys have sinned. That's why in verses 1, 2, and 3 of Exodus chapter 33, God sounds so angry and he is calling them a stiff-necked people, an arrogant people, a rude people. A rebellious people, and he has nothing to do with such kind of a people. And the God is angry. You remember that when they committed the sin, 3,000 of men were killed in response to this. That is God's direct wrath against idolatry. And so he is still angry in chapter 33, uh, but he is intending that despite their sin, they must continue the journey to Canaan. You see, God doesn't change his desire for you because you have sinned. His expectation is that even when you sin, the destiny is still available. And now it's up to you to get to destiny. So Israel, you have sinned fair and fine. He says to Moses, come on, tell these people whom you have delivered from Egypt to get out from the basement of Mount Horeb. Let's continue with the journey because I made a promise to your father, Abraham. Because Abraham is God's friend, so God cannot break the promise. You see, God is a promise keeper. His promises remain alive. They remain eternally. It doesn't matter what you do. His promises are still there. It is you who can take yourself out of God's promises. Hallelujah. So he directs them to continue with the journey. But guess what? He has decided that he will not go with them. 
He has withdrawn himself from their journey because they are stiff-necked people, because they have sinned against God. I need us to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that at any given time, God hates idolatry. If there is anything wicked from our midst, it is idolatry, worshiping other gods. I made a promise to Abraham, congratulations, continue with the journey, you will get to Canaan, but I'm not coming with you. That's the condition, because he is angry with this. And uh, I think this becomes very bad news to the children of Israel. And they begin to remove their ornaments and everything else because they are now desperate and concerned and maybe even so, so afraid. How do we move from here without God? And then Moses takes his own tent, takes it outside the camp. He pitches it somewhere and he calls it the tabernacle of the meeting. And there he begins to engage with God. And we see God coming again, visiting Moses in the temple. And the Bible said they spoke face to face. As man speaks to a man in that tabernacle. Why is the tabernacle outside the camp? The camp is now dirty according to God. The camp is now full of idolatry and other things. So God cannot stamp into the camp and that's why he is meeting Moses outside the camp. And whoever needed to go and worship, they went to the tabernacle of the meeting, not their tents because their tents were were, 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 were now defiled. God had sinned. God has idolatry. I, I wish this morning we could understand this together, that if there is anything that drives God from our lives, it is idolatry. But you know, God being God, Moses is making intercession, and then God says to Moses, okay, Moses, you're so persistent. Yeah, I, I love my people, but I just hate their sinful nature, their sinfulness. But guess what, Moses? Get on the journey. My presence, verse 14, shall go with you. Let me read that scripture again. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. As you journey. Remember he had said, I'm not coming with you anymore lest I consume you. But because Moses has made intercession here, God says, okay, Moses, my presence will now go with you. The presence of the Lord has been with Israel. A pillar of cloud during the day, shielding them from the scorching sun of the desert. Yeah, covered them wherever they moved. And at night, it became the pillar of fire that gave them warmth and the light even as they moved, the presence of the Lord. 
Hallelujah. But because they have sinned here, God withdraws himself. When God withdraws himself, he withdraws his presence. Because you cannot separate God from his presence. That's the dilemma here. That's why Moses now engages God as a friend and as God. And as a servant of God. And God says, okay, my presence will go with you. And I, God, will give you rest. Hallelujah. So that's the brief background so we can understand each other as we move forward. So this morning, I just want us to look at the presence of God so we can understand the presence of God, what it is all about. I'm not going to intend to define, but I think you understand that the presence of God is God being present in our midst, is God being in our midst. But let's look at the degrees or the levels of the presence of God so that we can understand. There is quite a number, but I will just talk about four so that we have a functional knowledge of the presence of God. Remember that the Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So it is important that we do understand and know what we're talking about when we talk about the presence of God. Number one point that I want to emphasize this morning is God's omnipresence. The word omni. I'm sure it's appearing on the screen. The word omni means all. What does this mean? All presence. Yeah? This means that God himself is present everywhere, all the time, at the same time. Hallelujah. Guys, God is in everything. God is everywhere. Whether you look up, you look down, you look sideways, you look wherever, east, northwest, and whatever you, God is present at the same time. He is as present here in Zimbabwe as he is in Turkey. He is present here in Zimbabwe as he is elsewhere in the world at the same time he is God. That's what we mean by the omnipresence of God. So he is present even if we are not conscious of his presence. I know that sometimes or many times we get into circumstances or situations where we ask the question, God, where are you? Whether you are conscious of it or not conscious of it, he is present. I think we need to understand that his presence should be believed and sometimes it can be felt. So when you get to situations where you are not feeling it, it means believe it. Because it is faith that activates that feeling that he is present. But what I need us to understand is God is present. It doesn't matter your circumstances. It doesn't matter your situation. It doesn't matter how you are feeling. It doesn't matter what you are thinking. It doesn't matter where you are and how you are. He is omnipresent. He is 
present. He is present for you. He is present for his glory. He is present for his goodness. And God is present. Can I ask that you just talk to your neighbor and say, God is present. While you are saying that, read with me Psalm 33. Let's turn to Psalm 33 so that we can use scripture to perfect our ideas that God is present. Psalm chapter 33, I am reading from verse 13, that's verse 13 and 14. It says, the Lord looks from heaven, he sees all the sons of men. He looks from heaven because heaven is his dwelling place. It's his seat, it's his throne. He looks from his throne and sees all the sons of men. Is there anyone here who is not a son of men this morning? We are all sons of men, isn't it? And guess what? From his throne, he sees you. Right now, he is looking at you. The good thing about God, he sees your thoughts. He sees your heart. He sees your mind. He sees your will. He sees your emotion. He sees your intentions and everything. Nothing about you is hidden from God. He looks from heaven and sees the sons of men. Hallelujah. When you think people are not seeing you, God is looking at you. Now that is scary, don't you think so? Yeah? From the place of his dwelling, which is heaven, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. From the place of his dwelling, which is heaven, he looks and sees all the inhabitants of the earth, those who believe in him and those who reject him. He sees them. He looks at them when they plan matter, he is looking at them. When they plan against you, he is looking at them. When they are stealing, he is looking at them. When they are doing whatever they are doing, he is looking at them, which means that they, therefore, he might be having every record of everything because he sees everything. Hello? That's the presence of God, the omnipresence of God. He is sitting in his dwelling place, but his eye sees the, all the inhabitants of the earth. He doesn't miss anything. That's the beauty of God. That's the massiveness of the God that we worship. He is so big, we can't fathom him. We can't understand him with our own mental faculties. Our minds are too small to understand God. He is God. All he requires is that we believe. That right now, today, he is looking at this service. He is looking at me and he is hearing what I am saying. Therefore, I must try my best to say what is in his heart. Otherwise, it will be a record against me. Number two. Number one and number two, I will rush because I want to dwell. What we call, no, maybe before I get there, let's go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. It's important that we read it. Psalm 
Psalm 139. Are you guys opening up your Bibles? I know these days we just scroll. There is no noise. But I am old school. I love the noise of the pages. Psalm 139, verse number 7. David says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You can't hide from the presence of God. He sees you when you are hiding. He sees you when you are right in the open. He sees you everywhere. You might be saying today, I I don't want to do anything with God, but he is looking at you. He is doing something with you, even when you don't want to do something with him. Because your presence, I mean, his presence is always with you. Are you with me, Judge? Number two, let's look at the corporate presence of God, what we call the corporate presence of God. The corporate presence of God. This morning, this is the very presence that is here with us. But let's first of all read Matthew chapter 18, verse number 20. Matthew 18, verse number 20, to see the corporate presence of God. What does the scripture say in verse number 20? For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Hallelujah. Yeah. When we gather like this this morning, he is in our midst. And how many of us feel him? How many of us see him? That is not an issue. The issue is he has said it in his word that when we gather in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is in our Mist. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, God, God is in our midst. He does what only God has to do to those who are gathering in his name. Hallelujah. So even as we speak here this morning, the Lord is in the house. The Lord is here. The Lord is ministering to us. The Lord is touching someone. The Lord is revealing something. The Lord is giving an idea to somebody. The Lord is touching your heart and allowing the words we are speaking to speak even more. Hallelujah. Do you know that you can be seated here while I speak here? Just speak one word and that word means ten words to you. And you begin to ride because he is present. He is doing what he ought to do as God. So where two or more come together in honor of God's name, he is in their midst. God is a personal God, ladies and gentlemen. God is a relational God. He's not an impersonal God or a distant God. He loves relationships. He lives amongst his own people. He sees everyone, but guess what? He is living amongst his people. And these are his people who believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he comes and tabernacles amongst them. Whenever you gather, 
even if it is the two of you, even if it is the three of you, even if it is a hundred of you, two hundred, ten thousand of you, as long as you gather in the purposes of celebrating Jesus' life, God shows up. God comes in and God dwells there. That's the presence of God. Hallelujah. Now I need us to sort of drift a bit because the presence of God in the Old Testament where we were in Exodus chapter 33 was not necessarily how it is now in the New Testament where we want to get to. Remember that in the Old Testament, God was not in people's hearts. He would come upon men and they would do whatever they were doing, even if they believed in him. But in the New Testament, we are in a different dispensation where God lives inside of us. That's why we have a thing called the indwelling presence of God. In the New Testament, we talk about the indwelling presence of God. And this is the most beautiful one of all the degrees of the presence of God. The indwelling presence of God. God dwelling us. God indwelling us as believers. This is what Paul is teaching in Colossians chapter number one. Let's get there together so that we can understand what the Bible is talking about. This is an amazing aspect of God's presence. It's a beautiful aspect of God's presence for the believer, particularly the New Testament believer. Verse number 26, it says, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's the mystery here? The mystery that has been hidden for generations. The mystery that has been hidden for ages. Ladies and gentlemen, God is walking with Israel. He is doing everything that he is doing with Israel, which you read in the book of Exodus, so that he will come to a point in history or in human life where he indwells his own people. He is going and moving with Israel, you need to understand that everything that is happening is according to his plan because it is pushing to Calvary. So that at Calvary, the mystery that God had in the beginning begins to be revealed so that humanity can now enjoy that mystery. You see, everything that you see in the Bible, you see happening, is not an accident to God. It's not a crisis to God. It is all waking and shaping up to his plan for redeeming his people. And because he wants to indwell his people, it had to happen the way it happened all the way to Calvary, all the way to Christ dying and coming out of death again. And now you can receive Jesus inside of you. 
And that's the mystery which Paul is talking about here. And he says that mystery, that mystery in verse 27, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ladies and gentlemen, Christ is no longer on Mount Sinai. We no longer go to Mount Sinai so that God can speak to us. We no longer go to Mount Horeb so that God can speak to us. We no longer do rituals so that God can manifest us. We are no longer looking for God's presence because God now is indwelling you as a believer. Are you with me this morning? God is inside of you. We are no longer looking for God from other things or anywhere else. As a believer, you now understand that the God of heaven, the almighty God, Jehovah, Yahweh himself, the creator of heavens and earth is indwelling me. He lives inside of you. That's what the Bible calls a mystery because it is too hard for human minds to understand that. You have this picture of a massive God living inside of you and you don't even feel it and you wonder, what on earth is this? You see, mysteries cannot be comprehended. They remain mysterious. That's why our journey with God is a journey of faith. It's not an arithmetic journey where you know that two plus two must be this and it's easy to do. Here we're dealing with the mysteries of God. And he reveals these mysteries to his own people. So listen to me this morning. God lives inside of you as a believer. He indwells you. Which means that the presence of God is inside of you. Is in me. Which means that God himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the fullness of the Godhead, they are inside of me. They don't change my physicality. They change my understanding. They change my comprehension of things. That's what they do. Don't think you'll be a mancho with a 12-pack or 28-pack because the big God is inside of you. You will remain slender physically, but inside of you and the things that you do manifest the presence of God inside of you. What manifests his presence inside of us is the works that we do. That's why the Bible says signs and wonders follow us. We are for signs and wonders. And the reason why signs and wonders follow us is about who is inside of me. The living God. Are you with me this morning? Can I ask that you just look at your neighbor and say, hey, God lives inside of you. Stop thinking yourself so small, but it's okay to think so small. But guess what? You are never powerless. You got the power. He did not leave some aspects of him outside you. He came inside of you in all his fullness. Everything you can think of what God is, he is inside of me. And inside of you. 
the indwelling presence of God. It's for believers. He doesn't indwell the sinners, those who reject him, the antichrist and like, no. Those ones are indwelt by the demons of Satan. You are indwelt by God. Are you with me this morning? God is inside of you. That's the mystery, Christ living on the inside of us. This was hidden for generations and centuries and has always been the plan. Now it has been fully revealed in Christ Jesus of Nazareth. So the moment you receive Jesus as your savior is the moment he enters. Lord Jesus, I receive you today as Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive all my sins. Take over my life. I receive you. I surrender everything into your hands. That moment, the mystery happens. He enters. You might feel it. You might not feel it. That he has entered. But he has entered because... You, the real you, inside of you, begins to change. You begin to detest some things. You, you begin to throw off some habits, some thoughts, some patterns. You, you begin to love and lack some things you thought they were not lovable. You begin to do some things. You begin to wake up every Sunday morning and you are rushing into this auditorium. And you want to sit and hear the word. You begin to read the word and the word begins to make sense. Because the author of the word, the word himself is inside of you. And he must begin to teach you himself from inside. I will, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. We can teach you the word here like we are doing, but the biggest teacher of the word to you is inside of you. If only you can listen to him. Because he speaks to you every other moment. The challenge is you are used to a voice like mine. But he is not going to use a voice like mine. But he speaks to you. Because he is inside of you. That's the indwelling presence of God. This is the presence that gives you comfort. This is the presence that makes you still even in the midst of a storm. This is the presence that gives you calmness. You walking the street or wherever you are and somebody runs to you and shouts and shouts at you. You just stand still and afford a smile. And when they are done, you say, thank you, God bless you. And you walk away. The indwelling presence of the Lord. Are you with me this morning? Yes. This is the presence inside of you that keep, makes you keep quiet. Where you are not supposed to talk. It regulates your thoughts and regulates your emotions and everything inside of you. He teaches you all things. Because he is the teacher and he lives inside of you. So as believers here this morning, my desire is that we will understand 
that God is inside of us. Is inside of us, the fullness of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Hey, it's a mystery. He is seated in heaven, but he is inside of you. Jesus is seated on the right throne where you are sitting inside Christ, but he is inside of you here in Bulawayo. You and me worship a mysterious God. And the world can't fathom. They can't understand this God. But you, because you have the spirit of God in you, he causes you to understand these mysterious things. And remember, they are for you, not for the world. You don't look at the people in the world and say, ah, shame. These people don't understand God. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Leave them alone. They don't even understand the Holy Spirit. You understand. So do something that will cause them to understand. And to do something that will cause them to understand is to do exactly the opposite of what they expect to look from you when they provoke you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why Jesus kept quiet. Yeah? They were beating him at the court, arresting him at the... This was God, man. He could have done anything, but he couldn't. So that he would go to the cross, so that when he dies and wakes up again from the cross, he would live inside of you, and you will begin to do like him. And you will begin to live like him. You will begin to experience God like him. And you begin to experience the peace and the joy of God like him. He did it for you and me. Let's not deny it. Let's not reject it. It was for you. So it's in you now. Talk to your neighbor and say it's in me. Yeah, it's in you. It's in you. And that is Jesus. Jesus, the hope of glory. Jesus living in the believer. When Jesus lives in you, come on, you are too powerful for anything. You're too powerful for a headache. You're too powerful for whatever it is. You're too powerful for what the devil is doing. You know, the devil is doing a lot of antics these days. The devil is crazy out there. Very, very crazy. But guess what? You are too powerful for it. The challenge with you is you are busy following what the devil is doing instead of following Jesus. Your call is to follow Jesus. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You can only fish men by the indwelling spirit of God inside of you. If you are following him, not in social media, not the world, not everything. You are so negative. All the news you are passing by to each other is the negative things. Hey, the devil has done this. Hey, the devil has done this. Hey, Satan these days in Malawi. Hey, in Mozambique. Hey, this is, come on, why don't you say Jesus has done this? Jesus is doing this. Because you are following Jesus. Why don't you see the goodness that Jesus is doing? I expect that as a believer indwelt by the Spirit of God, I see what the Spirit is doing in me and around me, and that becomes my news. 
That becomes what I share consistently with the world and everyone else. Are you guys with me this morning? Hallelujah. That's the indwelling presence of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 6, the Bible says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 6. You are the temple of God. And Paul says, Don't you know that the Spirit of God dwells inside of you? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom, the spirit of truth, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of miracles, the spirit of signs and wonders, the spirit of the mysteries of God dwells inside of you. And one of his fundamental duties inside of you is to reveal Christ to you. The Bible says he takes from that which is of Christ and makes it known to you. So that you can know more of Jesus than of the world. Are you with me this morning? I am doing well with my time, so don't you worry. My point number four, which is the last one. The manifest presence of God. He indwells inside of you. Now he must manifest himself. Through you. And we call this the manifest presence of God. Every believer experiences the manifest presence of God. Because at some point you will do something and bam, something happens. Wow, this is God manifesting himself through your hands, through the work of your hands, through your associations, through your obedience to his word, through whatever you are doing. Whenever we do what we are doing, ladies and gentlemen, it is about manifesting the presence of our God. You lay hands on the sick, they recover the manifestation, the manifesting presence of God. So that's why in your presence, in our presence as believers, wherever we are, if we are following the Lord Jesus Christ, the sick must be healed. The deaf must hear. The blind must see. Yeah? The cripples must walk. In our presence... And the Bible says the dead shall arise. And we are scared of that one. Eh? We are completely scared of that one. I think the dead there, of course, the physical dead, but then the spiritual dead. Meaning that wherever you are, there must be life. Something must come into life. Because you carry the life itself, the eternal life, the Zoe life of God. So the manifest presence of God. This is what we see everywhere as signs and wonders, as miracles and all that kind of stuff, manifesting the presence of God in individuals, in his believers. Believers are supernatural people. We don't do ordinary stuff. We do supernatural stuff, extraordinary stuff, stuff out of this world. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't compete with the world. 
The spirit of the world compared to the spirit of God in us is too inferior. But because you and me have been brought up and socialized in the world system, we think that the sons of men out there are more intelligent than you. In the natural, they could be. But in the spirit world, uh -uh, they don't measure up. Just like Daniel, 10 times more. 10 times more. I actually expect inventors of everything you can think of from believers, from amongst believers. We are the most creative people because we have the creating spirit of God inside of us, indwelling us. Let's make use of the presence of God in our lives to manifest his glory and his goodness. Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number two. Let's read that one. Then we will go coughing. Acts chapter number two. Right from the start. Verse two. It says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing might wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they appeared to them, divided tongues, as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave utterance. Hallelujah. They are in the upper room. You know the story. Jesus has risen and has ascended to heaven. And on the day of ascension, he says to him, Tarry, tarry a bit in Jerusalem. Don't go out. I need to send to you the helper. I need to send to you the presence. I need to send you the indwelling spirit of the living God. Remember that the disciples are walking with Jesus. They have not yet received the spirit until after he is dead. We see that in John when the Bible says he then breathed in them and they received the Holy Spirit. But now here they has got to go to another level of the indwelling presence of God in their lives. So there has to be a manifestation. And so he says tarry and they are in the upper room and they are waiting there. They are praying and they have replaced the, oh, is it Judas and the luck. And so the Bible says while they were there, suddenly not even from anywhere else as of a rushing mighty wind, hmm? a mighty wind, maybe more fierce than Fred the cyclone, a wind blowing but not destroying anything. Eh? And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they appeared from, I mean to them, divided tongues, looking like fire. And they began to sit on them. The manifest presence of God. God is presenting himself. God is showing up in this room in a different manner. They are used to Jesus, the person. But this time, he is coming up in a more supernatural way. Because from here onwards, it's a supernatural journey. Wind, woo, then the tongues looking like fire and they are wondering what is happening and each tongue sits on them. Boo, 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 boo. And suddenly they begin to speak in unknown tongues. 
Yeah? Did they lose their speech? He just turned it into a heavenly sound. To a supernatural sound. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, that immediately after this, they go outside, they are speaking in tongues in a big place, and the people are wondering what is only language coming from their mouth, and Peter preaches on this day, 3,000 men give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, the manifest presence of God. Are you with me this morning? And this is exactly what we need. And he is doing this to show us that from the beginning of the church is the indwelling presence and then the manifesting presence. We need the supernatural. We need this presence of God. We need this power. We need these things in our lives today. We don't have to hustle for the things of the Lord. They are in us. We are in them. They are faith. And know that if I walk out and say, be healed in the name of Jesus, that person is healed. Are you with me? You don't have to argue with a demon. You know that when you go out, you will just say, demon, leave in Jesus' name, and you go away. The demon will obey. It might not leave at your own time, but it obeys. In the spirit world, they obey authority. The challenge is you argue with them. Yeah? And even get a stick and start beating somebody. No, 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 no. It's not there. The indwelling presence of God, it of the one inside of you. That's why the Bible says we are his ambassadors. He's inside of us and we are representing him. The world doesn't see him physically. They see him in works. They see him in signs. They see him in our performance. They see him in the things that we do. This is the manifestation of Christ through us, in us, through what we are doing. It's the evidence, the things happening is the evidence of his presence in us. He is present with us. It's very evident and is tangible, the manifest presence. You can see it. You can see it. You can touch it. It is here. When it lacks in the church, the church becomes ordinary. It becomes like any other social club. And yet you and me sitting here this morning are not ordinary people. Please talk to your neighbor and say you are highly anointed. You are not too, you are not ordinary. You carry God in your bosom. Yeah, this is experiencing the presence in the real way, real way. When the spirit comes on you, here you can feel the presence of God inside of you. When it comes on you, you can feel things you have never felt before. That's why you can see some people scream because they fall down or scream and cry and do everything because they can't contain the feeling. They don't even know how to express it because it is tangible. It is real. He has touched you and when he touches you, you can never be the same again. Listen to me very carefully. He can come upon you now. You feel whatever you are feeling. Do not think you will feel that throughout 
the month throughout the year. No, 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 no. It will subside at some point. When it is subsided, it doesn't mean it is no longer there. It's still there, but now you're feeling your body and everything is conditioned, is carrying that feeling as negative. Now you understand it. Are you with me? It has not left you because the Spirit of God doesn't leave you. So you go in that and begin to do it. My challenge as I close, I've been around Zimbabwe and some other places talking to the church for several years now. My challenge is a church that walks like is not anointed. A church that walks like Jesus is not there, is not in their midst. A church that is begging God to come back to them as if he ever left. This morning, I want to suggest to you, the Spirit of God is inside of you. The Spirit of God is here. The presence of God is here. Step out of your doubt into faith and begin to do things. Then you will see the manifestation. It's not manifesting because you are not giving him the atmosphere to. You are not giving him the space to. You are not giving him the opportunity to reveal himself. That is to manifest, to show himself up. But if you were bold enough from this moment on, you would go out and you just do it. You are healed in the name of Jesus. Let the speak to things and they will obey. And you begin to say, wow, this thing works. Once you get there, you never stop. And that's exactly what he is intending for all of us here. All of us here have the indwelling presence of God. All of us here have the spirit of God in us. All of us here are anointed for signs and wonders. Anointed for the supernatural. All of us here are in the presence of God. It's not a pulpit issue. All of us are powerful. Let's walk in that power, Bazalwa. Because that's what God intends for you and me. And when we do it, we will come here to worship. And I can assure you, we will not bother about who is around us because you don't know what I feel. And the spirit in me, you don't know what he is saying to me. So leave me alone. Hello. Are you here? I think I'm going to end here. Remember what happened at the day of Pentecost? That's a classic example of the manifest spirit. From there on, you see the presence of God manifesting. Paul comes in. The disciples, the early church, come on. It's signs and wonders everywhere. It's miracles left, right, and center. The whole world is awa with what is happening. This is exactly what has happened to you and me in Bulawayo, in Zimbabwe, because we have the presence of God inside of us. Hallelujah. God dwells in you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our God and our Father, this morning we thank you for your presence in us, your indwelling presence with us. Lord, your manifest presence. We are tired to be ordinary when we are not ordinary. We're tired to live like anybody else when you have called us to be peculiar, 
to be weird, to be outstanding. Lord, this morning we come into exactly that which you want us to be and we yield our hearts and our minds and our bodies and we believe you live in us for signs and wonders. We believe we dwell in your presence and your presence dwells in us. We believe we are a people of God, therefore, and today, Lord, we are not in doubt. We are not hesitating. Father, we speak and it is so. We declare a matter and it comes to pass. We lay hands, they are healed. Lord, everywhere we call signs and wonders and we manifest the glory and the goodness of our God. So I thank you for King City Church. Thank you for the revival. Thank you for turning us around. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for taking our hearts and uniting our hearts together that, Lord, your name be glorified. Throughout the week, throughout the weeks, in everything that we do, thank you, Ray. Thank you for healing my brothers and my sisters here who need healing. We resist every sickness. We resist every lie of the enemy. We resist, Lord, every shenanigan of the devil. We declare that in our midst there is no sickness because it is not our portion. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah.